Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, you'll hear a different woman share her story of God's transforming love. These stories are recorded in a live setting at weekly local gatherings, where we're aiming to build community through sharing, connecting, and encouraging one another. Most importantly, these stories reveal the faithfulness of God and how He can take what's ordinary and broken and exchange it for extraordinary and redeemed. Krista, our storyteller today, always had a desire to be in ministry. And as the wife of a football coach, she has seen God fulfill that desire in a unique way and completely different from what she had expected. Over the years, God has used transition and saying yes to show himself to Krista and her family. There's a saying that the only thing constant is change. And that has never seemed more true than in the life of Krista and her family. But I would go another step and say that really the only thing constant is the Lord. And all of the stories and the God winks, as Krista calls them, reveal and confirm that. So I think you'll enjoy hearing all that Krista has to share. Here she is. Good morning, ladies. Um, It is a pleasure to be here. I like coming and listening to stories probably a bit more than telling mine. But um, yeah, thank you to Robin and the Storytellers team. That's right. I ran into Syl for a year ago, and she's like, I go to this thing on Friday, and you got to tell your story. And then it's come to this about a year later. So uh, anyway, but um, I kind of tell parts of my story a good bit. So it's not like I'm nervous to speak in front of women especially, but um, I get nervous that I go on tangents and I take too long. So if you're praying for me, you can pray that, that we get out of here on time and that Robin's not over here hitting me to stop um, because I, 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 my story, I do have a lot of little stories within my story. So anyway, but um, my story is really no more profound or interesting than yours. Um, it might be a little bit more public if you're an Auburn fan and you know who I married and who I've got now down at Auburn, but um, it really isn't... Um, more dramatic or even tragic. Um, Yes, we've had highs and lows like anybody, um, but it is my story. And it's actually more of a story of transition. And we all have transitions. We go through them every day, every year, you know, every parts of our life are transitions. And, but it really is um, a story of transitioning and just saying yes to God when you don't want to say yes and um, what happens when you do. So anyway, just to give you a little bit of background, I am Krista. I'm a nurse. I work one to two days a week at St. Vincent's in critical care. It's my passion. I love it. I don't always like to go to work. Who does? But I love to nurse when I get there. Um, Patrick and I, we live in Pinson, which is just kind of northeast Jefferson County. Um, He is a high school football coach there. We have four children, really five because we're raising one right now. So uh, two are at Auburn. One is a nursing major, junior, and and one just got there. He's a student athlete, so the world's going real fast for him right now. Um, And then I have a freshman 
Caleb. Um, and then I have a very vivacious 11-year-old that was our Miami surprise, and that's Sarah. So, And she's kind of pulling up the, uh, the roost. And then we have Taz with us right now. He's a junior. Um, but anyway, so I've been married 24 years, and 23 of those have been in this crazy coaching profession that centers around this crazy game of football. And, uh, you know, I didn't particularly like football growing up, but I had a dad who would take me to every sporting event and said, chances are you're going to marry somebody that likes one of these, so you need to know about it. And he was so right. Um, and so he was thrilled when I married a football coach because that happened to be his favorite sport. But um, if you're around me, if you're around me talking about any part of my life for any amount of time, you're going to hear me say, and my kids say this is going on my little tombstone, but football is what we do. It doesn't define who we are um, because our life, especially our public life, is so wrapped up in the game. Um, but um, it does kind of define where we live and where we go and where we call home. And it has definitely um, defined the choices that we've made as a family, um, and it, it, it has. So it is, in a weird way, a lot more than a game. But yet, at the end of the day, it, it's a game. It's where God has given us this platform and the ministry. So in, in that 24 years, we have had 10 homes that I've unpacked and packed. We've had, which was nine moves, actually. We started out in Auburn and, and here. We've had eight jobs, and when I say jobs, it's really schools. So we've been a part of eight communities, eight teams, eight coaching staffs. Um, that spanned five states. And fortunately, the Southern girls got to stay in the southeastern part. No cold weather for me. Um, and so I'm thankful for that because who knows what's coming up. Four levels of football. And what I mean by that, we've um, we've been in high school all the way through Division One college and a couple of levels in between. And, and each one of those is very different. It's a very different job. And it's a very different atmosphere and community and, and, and how, we, how we live in it. We have had three... Um, grueling, long, hard, sleepless nights of 0 and 10 seasons. And we've had two very long, grueling, emotionally hard, sleepless nights state championship seasons. So it's, it's, that's kind of the quite, quite the same. But in, in all of that, it's just been really one crazy ride. And um, that ride started for me in a little town in North Georgia in Dalton. And that's actually where my spiritual walk began. I have not that unique testimony of wandering away from the Lord and coming back. I had that simple testimony of I was six years old. Um, I ran down a little community church's aisle on a Thursday night with it thundering outside. I can remember what the preacher was wearing and gave my life to Christ. And pretty much I have been chasing after Jesus all my life. So I haven't, I don't have that wondering, you know, kind of testimony of going back and forth. But um, that is um, a, a, the specific point that I can remember I became a Christ follower. And that kind of led into when I was a junior in high school, I decided, now this was pre-World Wide Web, and to think that my mother allowed me to do this is insane because I have four humans now. I would never let happen this, but I lived in Australia one summer with Teen Missions International. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I lived in a tent. I bathed out of a bucket. Um, I wandered around with Aboriginal tribes in the inland, like I can imagine, um, but and all I had communication with my mom and dad was airmail. 
letters at the time. So they all, they got most of them when I got back, honestly. Um, but it radically changed my life as a spoiled American teenager. And I came back seeing the world in such a unique perspective and wanted after that a call on my life to missions. Like yearning is the only word that I could say. I just how just as though I remember running down the aisle at six and giving my life to Christ, I was picturing myself running down in front of the church and going, I've been called to full-time missions and I'm going to live in Africa. And that never came. And I was disappointed, quite frankly, because I had such a fire and a desire to follow Jesus under the uttermost parts of the world. And yet he, I, I didn't have really that feel or that calling on my life. So my next step took me to Auburn, um, where it's the most fabulous four years of my life. Um, my kids say, but what about us? I'm like, no, it was the most fabulous four years of my life. You know, we all get it and you will get it too. And it goes by so quick. It's boom, it's, it's done. Um, but I, I met Patrick. I worked in the athletic department and was just sharing with a friend that um, swore I would never date an athlete, much less marry one. And, um, you know, just a couple years later, boom, I married the quarterback. He's got one more season to play and he's telling me that we're in coaching and I'm a coach's wife, and I didn't know what that looked like. I mean, we really, when we get married, don't know what anything looks like, if you think about it, when we were all starting off. But um, I was fortunate to work in the athletic department and was around a lot of the staff at the time, and they were so precious to um, take me in as a, quote, girlfriend and um, warn me. <laughs> should say, um, but encourage me and really give me a true picture of what this life is going to look like. And um, I'm so thankful for that because instead of kind of getting married and then your husband becomes a coach was a lot of people's story. I kind of knew it from the beginning and I had seen it and I had, was babysitting I was invested in the lives of the staff there where I saw what it was like for the mom to do the whole family thing by herself and dad more interested in the 18 to 22 year old kids he had over here than ever coming home and and so I got a good I got a good good view of that but when Patrick and I then when he finished playing and we were talking about our next step in coaching we agreed then that it would be our ministry and we would stay in it as long as we felt like it was our ministry and we would be willing to go wherever um because I was a hometown girl and I kind of thought I was just going to go back you know and then all of a sudden I'm not and um anyway so we kind of committed together this this was what it was going to look like and we were going to buy houses when we moved we weren't just going to rent I was going to put up curtains we were going to be invested and all and um so the first yes that came of, of our first transition and I say the first yes because you we all have a choice you know, when God puts it in front of us. We can say no or we can say yes. He gives us that wheel. Um, but the first yes that came to us was pretty easy. Um, it was actually a full-time job, which is unusual because usually you start out as being a graduate assistant with no benefits. So we had a full-time job. It was in the state of Alabama, so I wasn't going too, too far. Um, you know, and but when I, I can remember getting in my little Maxima, driving up 431 and 
not crying, but weeping because I was leaving Auburn. Um, Because I had the Auburn University experience, but we had lived another year after we had graduated. And we were invested in the Auburn community experience. And I didn't want to let that go. And I didn't really realize how hard it would be. So God and I had this talk on the way up 431. And I said, I will go anywhere. And I will move anywhere. And I'll be a coach's wife, but you cannot let me love a place like I loved Auburn because I can't do it. It hurts. It hurts. I I have these friends and I want to take them with me. And then if you were to give me children in this profession because of my experience with the staff's kids that I had been babysitting for two years, you know, you better not let them grow up to be bitter coaches' kids because I had seen that too. And I'd seen these kids that were bitter and and jealous and sad. Their dad spent more time here than at home. And I was like, I can't can't do that. So, and I kind of think, you know, what is God saying when you're up the road doing that? Going, yeah, I'm listening to you, you know. So, but anyway, our first yes was the easy yes because it was um, Jacksonville. And we had an incredible kind of perfect start to our marriage there. We had a lot of first. Um, It wasn't um, always happy times. We, we bought our first house. Um, we experienced our first miscarriage there. We had Emma Grace there. Um, and we had our first firing. We got fired there. And if you've ever been friends with a coach or your husbands have talked about coaches, I'm sure, then you know that there are two kinds of coaches. It's kind of a joke, but it's really truth. It's those that, um, have been fired and those that are going to be. And, it really is truth. It happens, and most of the time it happens more than once. And our head coach was let go, and when Patrick called, I was like, oh, man, he had won a national championship here. How did that happen? You know, what is, oh, I'm sad. We're going to miss them. And he said, I don't think you get the picture. Like, we're fired. And I'm like, well, he was fired. No, we're fired. And um, But you know what? I'm so thankful that happened when it did because some Sometimes it's 10 and 12 years into coaching where my friends experience that and they don't know how to handle it because they've had two of the ups. That was such at the beginning for us. And God was so faithful at showing us, it's okay. This is what's going to happen. And we actually ended up getting rehired and stayed at the school, which doesn't always happen. But it was such a a great, like, eye-opening experience for a young coach's wife. And then you come out of it and go, I survived. So now we've got our first firing, Lord. We don't have to go through that for a while, right? You know, and it's been done two year, two other times. But anyway, um, so needless to say, I don't have to tell you what happened when we moved to our next adventure. I packed up. We were in a little expedition at the time, I think. I'd grew, grown into car seats and traveled west. And what did I do? But I wept the whole way because I thought to myself, I was never going to love a community like I loved Auburn. But I had seen the hands and feet of Jesus in the three years that we had lived in this small community of people that mentored us and loved on us and carried through some heartache and helped us advise us on these big life decisions. And so I wept, you know, and when I say transitions and kind of making yes, our first few were were quite easy because on paper they looked like the next step um and when we kind of make a decision on what we do I I don't know how I mean some of you might have done the traveling they only lived here a couple of years some of you might have lived here all your life but with us we kind of look at kind of what we call the big four 
Now, I wish I could come up with a cuter name, but it's really not. It's just kind of like the big four pieces of what's important in our life. And we look and say, okay, Lord, how are we being used in these big four? Like, where's our ministry part? And, and what do you want to change? You know, and sometimes the big four is better. And sometimes they're so good where we're at, we don't want to leave. And the four of those things is the first one is just like Patrick's job, Patrick's profession. And I think even Robin and I kind of talked about this when I was sharing her my story. She was like, well, we want to make sure it's your story. And I was like, well, you know, that's what's so unique about my story is that it is wrapped up in my husband's profession. And a lot of people don't get that. So for you women livers out here, you're like, okay, you're, he is not giving you what you want to do and your dreams and your passions. And that's so not true because truly coaching is a family profession. He's just the one that actually gets the W-2. But we really, it is, it's a commitment from all of us and, and, and especially the wife. The kids don't really have a choice. They're kind of born into it. But it is, we, we go to work with dad. We, we function with dad. We're happy or sad if we went on Saturday or Friday night, you know, I mean, like it's all the facets. But for me as a nurse, I can nurse anywhere. You know, I just love to nurse. And so I don't have to be at a certain hospital or a certain unit. I've worked a lot of different ones. And so I just love to nurse. Um, Fortunately, for the most part of our 24 years, I've been a stay-at-home mom. So that was my desire and that was my dream. So I, I didn't worry about that. So it is really a point of what happen this is this a, a better job or just like if you were making a transfer I mean is it worth is it is it worth taking the promotion or not you know um the second thing of the big four we looked at is is our church because especially when you're in college which is where we've spent most of our college uh, I mean most of our married life is in the college ranks um you know, you, you're not with your family. Chances of you being kin to anybody in your community or that university is very slim. Um, and so for us, being um, Christ followers, we are sectioned into just church, you know, and we want to find that small group and that people. And we have been in communities where we have just wanted to be stay in this church forever. And then we've been in communities where we're like, okay, Lord, something's not right here because We've been church people. We're not hard to, you know, please people, and we just can't find a church. And sometimes I look back and I see where God's kind of used that to judge me to another move because he's allowed me to let go of things that I think is what I have to have in a community, if that makes sense. But um, the church part of our life is is number two of that. And um, number three, as kind of silly as it sounds, is is the house. Um, and not so much what I mean is how many bedrooms I have, but uh, the community in which I'll be in. Um, quite frankly, the community that we can afford to be in. I mean, you know, when you move to Miami, you got to know where you're going to live, you know. And it's not like you have lots of places to choose from, you know. And the house, are we going to be comfortable? I've laughed because I've had the five-bedroom huge houses when I really didn't need it. And then right now we're in a three-bedroom tiny yellow rental house where we really need it, you know, and, but God has us there for just right now, and quite frankly, I don't have time to move, um, but it's, it's, it is something that we kind of pray over and think, because it's important. Our neighbors are important to us when we make a transition, um, who my kids are ne- next to, their, their school, whatnot, and then the fourth thing is their school, 
And, and I kind of get tickled here because um, that fourth thing has really evolved and changed in my 24 years um, because uh, I can remember that being maybe one of the bigger of the four when my kids were little. Like it was just very important where they went to kindergarten. And I laugh because I've lived all these different places. And ladies, kindergarten is great. <laughs> no matter where you are, you know, it's fantastic. Um, and things get so important to us that I look back and I think, you know, as Christ followers especially, God has to be looking down and going, you first world creatures, you know. Like you're, you're, you're adamant that you're only going to be on this side. You know, I remember there was one neighborhood that we had that we bought and we were in the Lassiter district in Atlanta. And then when we bought they opened up a new school and our side got moved and it was like riots you know like it's I bought to go to Lassiter you know and and I think you know it's it it is um kind of we box God in when we do stuff like that and I've learned and I can honestly say that because I was the mom that said hey like one of my Vestavia moves we're moving in here because my kids are going to east that kind of thing and uh, you know, I just think of maybe some things that they really kind of missed out on. And and then maybe it's God's way of tendering my heart toward um, the places where we've been where I haven't actually been so hyped about the school. And like, okay, Lord, you want us, you want me to send my kids there? Like, can I homeschool? And he's like, no, they're going to go, you know, and that's been hard. But anyway, our second yes was to Arkansas, and again, it's on paper, it was pretty okay, because I only had, I had two kids that were too young to really remember, um, and we had some really tough experiences when we were there, I went through some, we lost my dad, suddenly, um, I was struggling with some loneliness, because I was so far away, west of the Mississippi, uh, you know, I was the only one in my family that didn't make it back when my dad passed, and just struggled, but you know what, I don't think there was the more perfect community of precious friends and believers who stood beside us and who um, grieved along with me. And although I was 11 hours from my home where I wanted to be, it was the most perfect um, healing and that restoration time of that that only was found in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, you know. And uh, Patrick got some uh, incredible amount of experience. He was the youngest coach in NCAA history at the time, uh, the head coach. And that came with a lot of bumps and breezes, but it was fabulous of how that just changed him professionally. And God used that. And if we had not said yes to that, we would have missed out on so much. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if we'd not said yes, I would have ha- I wouldn't have had the same grief experience and and um, help through that, even though I would have been so much closer to home. But you know, that was probably when things got so real with some difficulties that I believed when I read in scripture that God never leaves us nor forsakes us. Because at times I was like, okay. I feel a little forsaken here, you know, like I'm, I'm out, I'm out by myself wondering in this little wilderness over here and where I really want to be over here. And God says, no, I'm going to provide everything that you need. And that's what he did. And, um, but our yeses kind of have started to become a little bit more difficult. Um, we actually maneuvered back here to Samford in 2001. Um, and we had the big four jackpot, 
Okay, so it was great. Now, no, it wasn't like a Division One school making a ton of money, but that was never really been important to Patrick and I. It's everything else fell into place. We loved Sanford. Uh, Patrick loved going to the office every day. We loved the community that we were part of. We had these little incredible preschools that we were going. You know, we were into the right school district. It was just all wonderful. And you know what? We bought our house August first and sold it May sixteenth. That's nine months later. You don't make any money when you sell a house like that. But that's when we were here and God said, well, you were here, but now you're over here. And I was like, oh, but wait, I've got the big four and it's all in a box and it's all good. And I want to tie it up with a bow and just live here and raise my kids here. And God said no. And we had a choice. We could have stayed. Um, on paper, the move was, you know, better Division One job and maybe better financial law. But I knew, we knew we were happy here. But once again, Patrick and I looked back and really with the big four, all these other little things, the point is we're only as happy as we're when we're where he wants us to be. And even when the roof of our head is not big enough, we feel like, or the school isn't as adequate. And once again, I'm just so grateful God showed me these things when my kids were young. And it's kind of like practice makes permanent, you know, like because I've had all this practice moving when they were young. So now when we're called, and it's just so much harder when your children get older, but it's like those faith steps have grown you to know like I know it's going to be better or it might not be better but it's going to be okay it's going to be good and we're going to leave this next place and it's still going to be great um but anyway along the ride like we we did head over to Atlanta and like I said on paper things things were great but um that's when, and I could write a book on what I call God winks, you know, when you just know that came from God and God was there and little stories that, that, um, how people have ministered to us when I felt those lonely nights or, you know, Patrick's sleeping at the office and, and I felt that, okay, Lord, I can't do this. Now I have three children under five. My yard's not mowed because it's August and two days have started. And I remember one night after dinner, um, I heard somebody out in our yard, and it was my neighbor edging our yard. And I just laughed because earlier that day at the bus stop, I had told his wife that I had gotten my second HOA letter about my fine that my le- my yard wasn't edged. And I looked at her and I said, it's two days. I won't see Patrick till December, and I'm not edging with three kids under five. And sure enough, you know, my yard's edged that night. And um, and just somebody that took initiative. And what really is funny about that story is they weren't really even Christians, you know, but they were willing to just help a neighbor out and, um, and minister to me. And God used that, you know, not my church, but God used them um, just to get it. But I have lots of little God wink stories that have that have gotten us through. And especially when it comes um, to my children. But anyway, these transitions that I've touched on a little bit before have always have been the yeses that have been good and maybe on paper have been easier but none were harder than um, when Patrick came in after five years at Georgia Tech after our bowl game and said um, I think our ministry here's done now I have to tell you I married a faith giant like I've always said I kind of had the gift of faith 
but Patrick's faith is unwavering. And when he feels that it's time to move on, it's usually something happens. Now, coaches get jobs in the weirdest of ways. We're not on LinkedIn. We don't turn in resumes. It's not that way. It's who you know, what's available, who you know of a friend of a friend of a friend. It's crazy. Um, it, comical, really, that you're hired and some of us don't even deserve to be in that position. <laughs> you just get this job. You're like, what? How did this happen? Um, but he came in and said, we're, we're moving. And um, I want you to go with me to help kind of straighten up my office because when coaches transition, they don't give two-week notices either. You literally, you take the job, you go in, you get your personal stuff, and then the moving company moves everything out to your new office, and you hit the road recruiting for your new school. I mean, it is that fast. And the wife's over here, I'll put the house up. I'll let the kids know. I'll start, you know, looking at Zillow and figure out where we're going to live, you know. Um, but he's on the road. He's gone. Um, and so I, I was like, okay, well, we're, we're happy here. We're really kind of got the big four. And, and we had some really great, um, quote, unquote, spiritual things going on at the time that I thought Patrick needed to still be a part of. And uh, anyway, we ended up getting a call from Miami. Well, if you're in coaching with it, uh, with uh, especially on that level where your husband actually goes into communities and recruits, Miami is one that you say he can't go because you hear these stories that might be wildly exaggerated, but they're real, they're scary, and I'm like, you know, you're not going into that. You're not. Co you're not going to go get that kid, and that was us. And we, you know, we had friends that had had some things that had happened, and so I left because I was immediately no. Like that was the one move that I didn't even say. I'm going to pray about it, <laughs> or like if you think about it, we'll go. I was like no. I have three children, and actually I had four, one in the belly I didn't even know about yet. I had, so I did have the four, and I was, I am not moving my children to Miami-Dade County. And I started kind of, after the initial shock of Patrick getting the phone call, and he goes, no, I kind of think this is, this is the move. And uh, I started thinking of, like, the beach. Well, maybe that was a good thing of it, you know, like, we're at least going to have the beach. <laughs> But then I didn't think about a house on the beach. I started getting these visions of a well. <laughs> and then my well had a little Jesus man come out of it. And then he had a sign, and it said Nineveh. And I don't know if any of you have ever had a Nineveh, but it is scary. And sometimes the belly of the well you think is better than going to Nineveh. And I was thinking, oh, don't throw Jonah at me, Lord, because I don't really want to go. And he says, but I've gone before you. And another funny thing about Jesus is when you start, you know, having these situations you bring before him, all of a sudden then the culture kind of around you starts pointing in that direction. You know what I'm talking about? Like if you've really discussed something and then all of a sudden you, you meet a friend in Publix and she asks you about something, you're like, how did you get this connection? Or the song, and um, that's, that's probably the biggest thing I can remember, is Chris Tomlin's God of the City was huge then. And every time I got in the car and turned it on, that song was there. And I can just remember, you know, he's the God of the godless the hope for the hopeless you know he's the god of the city and he was saying you're you're gonna go and patrick's gonna go and i was making all these excuses like you know if you know anything about football and the tradition of miami football it's not always squeaky clean and pretty down there and i was like that's not 
you know, Patrick's not going to cheat and Patrick's not going to do these things. And, you know, what are we, what are we doing? And uh, I love it because that transition for us, that yes, that nudge um, was one of the most exciting, best two years that we have had in my whole entire adulthood. If you ask my oldest at Auburn now, she's lived in a lot of different places and had a lot of different situations, but she'll tell you, say, what's your favorite immigrace in University of Miami? She loved it. And it was the hardest. It was the hardest on her moving there. Um, she had a really hard time transitioning, but none of us wanted to leave. And we saw um, miracles. We saw people that had never seen. Patrick had, you know, uh, the majority of his football team only knew Jesus Christ as a as cursing. They didn't know the man. They didn't know a, a, a a story of David and Goliath that Patrick has, I mean, he's written a book about it. He's, he's, he's used that as a, a leadership kind of study. They didn't know. And they didn't know that it came from the Bible, you know. And um, the ministry was just completely incredible. And if you want to talk about God winks, you know, like I moved in seven months pregnant in the middle of a tropical storm. And no None of the probably seven to eight movers knew a speck of English. None of them. And we had the sweetest neighbor come and just help me. She was drying off my furniture because, you know, I mean, just little things from the beginning. Um, and I could just go on and on with stories like that of how God showed up at their school and brought me the sweetest friend and uh, that we are still such close friends today is um, the first day I took Bo to, to, to meet his teacher, Bo Nimmergrace, walked into Bo's little first grade classroom and um, knew no one and literally sat there. And, and I'm mouthy, so like I can pick up some conversation, but I was like, I, I I'm scared to death because I don't know if you speak Cuban or English or what. And um, later got home and told Patrick, this is, this is going to be the most difficult thing that I do. I can't leave my children in this atmosphere, you know. And it was a great, incredible private Christian school. But I'm like, they're not even going to understand their teacher. Like, I, how, how am I doing this? And um, the phone rings. And it's this sweet lady. And she says, hey, I'm going to be your friend. And I go, what? She said, you don't know me. You don't know me, but our, my daughter is in your son's class, and I saw you, and I saw how lo lost you were, and I've been that lost too. I moved to Miami years ago, and I'm going to be your friend. And do you know what? We were at Teen Missions International this same year. Didn't know each other. We weren't on the same group, but she was very similar to me in that we love short-term missions and all, and she befriended me, and she was probably my biggest Godwink of the whole Miami experience, but um, just an incredible relationship that we have with, with their family, but that, ladies, is how God provides you with just the, the details that you think when you're so lost and you just can't do this, and then he just shows up somebody that says, I'm going to be your friend. And that's exactly her words. It wasn't, hey, I'm Lori, nice to meet you. Is you need me? I know you do. And I'm here. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's pretty powerful. But anyway, he did never leave us. He never first, when I was on, you know, Highway 1 and Patrick was at an away game and I was like, I'm in this world away. And, but I could feel him and he was right there by me. Um, but guess what? That ended in a firing. 
and a little bit more public of one, you know, so now we're getting to these bigger schools and they look better on paper, but, you know, Patrick calls me one morning and says, that's it, it happened, we kind of thought it was coming, and I drop everything, taking down Christmas decorations. Um, There is no more depressing day of the year than when you take down Christmas decorations, and it's so funny because now, like, let's say 2008, so we're talking, you know, 11 years later, and every time I take down Christmas decorations, the kids will say, we know we got fired on this day from Miami. <laughs> you know? And so um, I did. I, he, he called. I dropped everything, and I sped to their school. And this was even kind of before real social media. We had the ticker on ESPN, and that was the coach's social media. You know, everybody so knew that was going to be on there. So I hurried, and I was like, okay, 10 minutes. I've got it. I was filling out the form to get the kids, walked in, filled out this sheet of paper. The assistant principal comes down the hall, and he said, hey, I just heard. Does that mean y'all aren't going to finish the year? I'd hung up from Patrick 15 minutes prior to that. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, Lord, first of all, you pulled me into this city. Now I don't want to leave this city. Now, you know, I thought we had something here. We've only been here two years. And then now my kids are going to have to move again. But now they move with everybody in America that knows football, knows that Patrick's fired. And so, you know, yeah, I was was able to get them before before they they heard um, or whatever. But anyway... So we had this kind of come-to-Jesus time that actually brought us back to Birmingham. And some call it a sabbatical. Some call it refresh, whatever. It was a very much needed time of when you just ever felt like you're on that train and then something happens in your life and God stops everything for a minute and it seems like the world's going by but you're kind of stopped. That's kind of how Patrick and I felt in that year. Um, We... We meandered our way back to Vestavia and our sweet friends here and loved it. Um, and it was a year of just mulling over what is our ministry supposed to look like. Um, you know, we thought it was in Division One coaching and football. Is it changing? And Patrick had actually um, began to spend time with the kids uh, and realized, you know, he, he couldn't name one of Emma Grace's teachers. Like, he didn't know he'd been to one Donuts with Dads with Bo, you know. Um, And he was broken about that because he's a good daddy. And he wanted to be that dad, and he realized, you know, we're calling this thing our our ministry, but but what is it doing to my family? So he was. We started praying that maybe he would get out of coaching, and that we would stay in Birmingham. Because remember the time before that, it was my big four. So I was all about that because we had the jackpot here, and I was like, okay, you know, we could get that. We'll slide back in, and everybody, everything will be good. We've got all the big four taken care of, and um. It was Emma Grace who, through an amazing little incident in her life and story, just kind of affirmed to us that we were still supposed to be in coaching. And so, and we didn't know what that looked like because Patrick had had this precious year of rest and time to get close with the kids, and he didn't want to lose that again. And we knew going back to Division One, we would lose that um, because that's just the sacrifice that you have to make. There's great daddies you know, good family men that, that coach in Division One, but it's very difficult um, because you're the time. You're just not with your family. Um, and he didn't want to lose that. And uh, God provided the sweetest um, move to Charleston, which was a smaller school. And it was a, 
actually enabled us to keep the closeness as a family. Our kids could be a lot more active at the school. Um, we never found a happy church home there. We loved our little neighborhood. Of course, we were by the beach, so he didn't love that. Uh, won very few ball games there. Wondered, okay, Lord, what what is it? You know, um, are you calling to me to truly get me out of coaching? Because that was one of our 0 and 10 seasons. I mean, it was horrible. And, you know, God gave Patrick the sweetest ministry with the staff that we've never, ever had at another school. And now, just a few years later, we've seen these young coaches that, that, that Patrick was with, and some even our age, and they've branched off, and one's a head football coach in college now, one's in the NFL, one's actually at Auburn, um, young coaches that, and, and Patrick goes back to, you know, we weren't obviously at Charleston to win football games, but we were there to kind of refuel my coaching tank, and, um, not only that, but to be a part of this closeness and ministry and kind of a reaffirm that you can be a cross follower in this business and do it the right way, do it the way you're supposed to do it, and yet um, relationally bond with a team and share, share Jesus, which was our goal way back before we left Auburn when we were getting into it. Um, and then I personally think um, that I've gained my future son-in-law from there, but that's Emma Grace's story to tell, and that hadn't really happened yet, and this is a podcast, but but um, I'm pretty sure that, you know, so at least that's what she says, you know, she'll kid her dad and say, yeah, but we've got JD out of that one, you know, so anyway, um, but then um, our boys were older, and so Patrick had kind of kind of reclaimed that closeness that he was missing for a little while and he realized that he was the son of a football coach and um, his dad and him are so so close and he wanted that for his boys um, they don't always want it <laughs> but he wanted that for his boys and so we began praying for maybe a high school transition and um, as experienced of transition as I am by now I pretty much um like this is the one I struggled with the most. I struggled with it because it was a whole different change of the community feel with us. Um, I was struggling with it because now dad's just not going to go off to work and coach over there. Dad's going to be coaching in the hallways where my kids are going. So now they're going to be talking about their dad. You know, I mean, they're they're always talking about their dad in the hallways, but it's because of that school on the other, or the university. It's not because of that school. You get, you know, it's just, it was such, so much more personal. And then I struggled with how Patrick was going to deal with mamas <laughs> because I was like, I'm not sure he's going to be gentle enough with mamas. And then I could just see things spiraling, you know. And community to us had really been, up until this point, the children and me and our life and Patrick at work and occasionally I mean you know he would get to church and all and occasionally I would show you know there I am not lying when I say that there are times we've transitioned and I found this Sunday school class and then like six months later Patrick starts showing up and they're like 
oh, so you really are married. We just kind of thought you said that, you know, like, <laughs> no, you know. And, of course, they knew where he coached and all and whatever, and they would kid. But that was kind of it, you know, just the, it was kind of like the kids and I were the community part. We had the school, we the dinner, everything we could handle. But Patrick was just never kind of a part of that. In high school, it was going to flip where he was kind of the heart of the community and the, the role that that had changed. Um, but... The bottom line is my children are getting older. And so now I've got a daughter who's been to two middle schools. Now this is going to be her second high school. You know, I've got a, a, a son that's you know, thinks he wants to play with his dad, but let's be real, it's not always pretty. And, you know, like all of these things, and I, I just kind of fought it. Not to mention high school coaches don't make anything college coaches do, and I'm sitting here thinking we're not even going to be able to afford to buy a house. So, you know, I'm thinking the big four, you know, but um, God is so good. He is just so good. And he just gives us exactly. This no was different. It wasn't the Miami no of being a cultural fear. Um, this was a no because there were times that he was calling us the, the places I didn't necessarily want my kids to go to school. And what did that look like? You know, um, Sharing Patrick with the community was a little harder than what I thought. I don't know if it's because I was scared of what they would see. I mean, you know, I don't know if I could hide him. But, um, no, you know, it was just so much of that was different. Um, I had just started going back to getting my RN degree in Charleston when he up and moved, and I just thought that was going to be it. I was going to have to start all over. Maybe I am just going to have to push this little dream to the side. Um, but God worked that out in the most miraculous way where – I did not even have to interview or apply to the nursing school. Dean to dean, I just called, and they they put me in classes. Like, that doesn't happen, you know, in nursing school. So God was in every single detail. One of our recent transitions has probably been the hardest in the sense that um, – I was really scared of what it was going to do in the community with with the children. They hadn't quite experienced um, this this type of move before. And um, quite frankly, I was worried about school. I was worried about um, their environment. Um, Like I said, just different things that I was thinking, Lord, really, you know, like there's so many other options maybe. And um, I was taken back. Is more recently of that 16 year old that um, lived in a tent. She bathed in a bucket. She didn't have any communication with her mom or dad. And I still had the most pressing yearning to follow Christ on full-time missions and wanted that so badly on my life. And it was like finally after 24 years, I realized, you know what, ladies, I really did have a calling of full-time missions of my life. And it wasn't to Africa. And it, you know, but I felt like God said to me when I was struggling with this, if I called you to live in a tent, bathe in a bucket, and, you know, have a kid where no schools, you know, um, would do you love me enough to say yes? And how could I not? Because I have all of these God winks and I have all of these times that it didn't feel like God was anywhere around. But 
I call it supernatural little touches from him that just said, I'm here and I've gone before you and you're sharing light and I want you to keep sharing me. And, um, and who knows, we might go to Africa one time. They might, I don't know. I mean, you know, my life's not over, but I know this and I know it without a doubt that God has held my hand and he's gone before me. Um, my family has flourished. Um, now, I, the jury's still out on the 11-year-old, but, but um, I have children that aren't bitter. They're pretty proud, and in a, in a humbling way, they're, they're, they're thankful. Um, I loved it when Emma Grace went down to school, and she was calling, going, Mom, all these girls are so homesick. They're going home every weekend, and I'm just not coming home. Is that, like, offensive to you? And I'm like, no. And she's like, because, like, all these feelings they're having, I had them in second grade. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, that's exactly right. Um, but it's it's not been easy, but I've seen God use our path to help dreams come true for my kids already at 19, how he's put people in their lives um, that has prepared them, you know. Um, I don't know how many wins that Bo will lead our Auburn Tigers to. Might not be any, might not ever see the field, but I know that God has prepared him for such a time as this. And, and I know because of the men that have been put in his life, um, and I'm not talking just to how to throw a football, but I'm talking about spiritual, grounded, strong coaching men in his life that has prepared him. Um, you know, I, I see a calling of missions in one of my kids, and I can see that happening. And um, I feel like hopefully our world has prepared them for that, you know, um, but God, it has just been amazing how um, God has used transition and saying yes to show himself to us. And although my story might be different because it's physical transitions, um, we all have transitions. We make them every day. Sometimes it is moving neighborhoods. Sometimes it's your husband changing careers. Um, sometimes it's just you and you're losing your kids and being empty nesters and transitioning to life, you know, like that and what your ministry holds now. And, you know, we're all so wrapped up in our children that we forget what we're supposed to be doing, you know, for for us. And um, But I know that saying yes doesn't lead to the easier way, but it definitely leads to the most fulfilling. So anyway, that's my story. It's not over. We average about two years and three months at a place, and we've, we've been at this school two years and one month, so, so who knows? But, um, you know, it's, it's not over yet, but we will just keep saying yes. Thanks for joining us today for Krista's Story. I cannot even imagine having to pack up and move that many times and all that's involved in getting your family settled. But I realized when I was thinking about it that when you face something repeatedly, um, it might not become easier, but I think you do kind of exercise those faith muscles. And so in the process of regularly facing change and learning how to say yes to God, uh, I think that that's probably helped Krista's faith to grow and for her to be uh, more ready to accept new adventures and when God presents them and not just face them with fear, as I know I sometimes do. So I hope that you have found this encouraging and um, 
feel ready to tackle whatever new thing God has for you in your life. We will be back next Wednesday with another new episode of Storytellers Live. And um, as always, we would love to hear from you. So feel free to reach out to us through social media. It's at Storytellers Live or through our website, which is StorytellersLive.org. And speaking of doing things repeatedly, (laughs) I've asked so many times for ratings and reviews, but y'all have been so awesome to share those with us. It helps the podcast grow and reach new ears. And so um, if you feel so led to leave a rating and review and haven't before, we would greatly appreciate it. And we do thank you for all of you who who have done that. Thanks for tuning in and we hope you'll join us again soon.